Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, the show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, happy Monday. And uh, if you happen to have the state-winning livestock cow whatever what? from yeah the, okay. the, there was the recently like texas stockyards na- national championship or something like that okay anyways the winning cow sold at auction how much do you think the winning cow yeah um i don't know i'm gonna be crazy here okay ten thousand dollars nope no nope uh winning cow winning cow yeah how much does i'll give he you weigh? one more guess how much does he weigh how much does he weigh? Oh man, I don't know if I know how much he weighs. It's I don't 2, think I do. Two thousand pounds, three thousand. Okay, so I'm just gonna get uh, for ten thousand. Here's his official title. Maybe this will help. Okay, the Fort Worth Stock Show Grand Champion Steer. Oh, okay. Well, if you say it that way, now I know. Do you want to see a picture? He's right there. He's very fluffy. That dude. Is it, that's not a dude. That's a that's a female, right? No, a steer is a uh, a man who has been. <laughs> oh. Altered. Got it. Yep. That's why he looks so feminine. Yep. Okay. Uh, $15,000, $340,000. Yep. $340,000. Dude, I was really close. You were, you were close. <laughs> you were close. I'll give you that. Yeah, man, that is insane for a cow. Why? I, Help me understand why. Like, is, I don't is know. It, is the meat tastier? I, no, no, I don't. I, I, is, are you going to put the thing on display? It, stuff it. And Stuff then like, and put it on your mantle? yeah, I don't, I don't know what you do with a $340,000 cow. I'm, I'm going to eat it. Tell you what. You still got to clean up its poop. Like that's all I know is. Oh, not unless you eat it. Well, that's true. <laughs> Which case then there's no more that's of that. That's true. That's an expensive burger though. I mean, you enjoy it. Like Wagyu has you, nothing you on that. It. Yes. Yeah. You enjoy that cow. Yeah. Well, um, Hey, you know what? Sometimes we'll talk about, maybe you've heard of this sacred cows in the church, uh, things that, uh, Oh. we just don't want to touch or things that we have strong opinions about or things yeah. that we're like, Oh man, like, like the carpet color, like the carpet color. Yeah. Like strong opinions about yeah. that. I, for example, I served at a church in Missouri for a while and at Christmas time, they used to put up center stage there, this nativity. And it was, it had all the marks of the 1990s Hobby Lobby nativity. Like it just, mm. it was not a good vibe. It was not a good aesthetic. And I, I, I made the mistake as Uh-oh. a young youth and worship guy there lit saying, it on fire hey what if we didn't put that up this year and that was a sacred cow yeah. it's like you can't touch the nativity scene yikes yeah yeah i feel that there's yeah. there's, there's things that are you know and there's different reasons for that okay, best case scenario you know a beloved saint donated it to the right. church they bought it now it's years later and all the people remember the person and like right. oh of course we're going to keep her or his donation we're never going to get rid of that so I, I get how they start, but is it really the best thing? Probably not. Yeah, uh, probably not. And uh, and and so uh, another sacred cow for some people in the church is worship, <sighs> worship music, worship music. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's a sticky wicket. Um, there's lots of contention for this one. There's lots of contention, and there are some. And uh, and and actually, so here's the thing. Um, this is a secondary issue. Are you we, about to rebuke me right now? We talked about that. No. Okay. We, we talked about secondary issues yesterday on the podcast. This would be, I think another secondary issue. Yeah. Um, this is not an issue where you divide fellowship. I don't, 
I don't think personally. Probably not. I guess it depends on the songs that. And I see this is That's where fair. it gets. This is yeah. where it gets sticky. Even saying that, okay. So here's one position. One position says, you know what? We are only going to sing songs by artists that we can vet everything about that artist and say with confidence that they are they're Christian in, artists. Christian artists, keeping with our, in our, our theological camp. stripe. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's a position that many churches take and that's a position there's there's artists out there a lot of times they'll you'll find a lot of the Gettys there right. and City of Light and some Sovereign Grace stuff but even then there's yeah, even Sovereign Grace though for, right for there's variants within there right yeah. and, it, and there's even a there's a level deeper than that or deeper different I don't know how to put this more conservative than that who would say you should only be singing the Psalms right don't even sing contemporary well, worship. Even the hymns maybe is a stepping stone between I guess that and the, the right. psalms. Only hymns right. to only the psalms that are in the scriptures. Right. Um, and it goes further. There's a spectrum of belief when it comes to worship. Yeah, there is. Convictions, hey, I guess you should say. Convictions. Yeah. <laughs> and if, uh, if you've been at our church for any period of time and you've been there for a Sunday morning, uh, you've noticed that that we sing a, a variety of different artists in our, our worship selection. Um, and... Here's what what we're doing. When we play a song by an artist on a Sunday morning, we are not affirming everything by that artist that they've ever written, nor are we saying that the church that that artist attends is the best church church or a good church or the things that we appreciate. Right. Um, We have lines that we would say, okay, we're not going to platform this particular musician or that particular musician specifically or song. Um, But that really is what it's going to come down to for us is we're going to look at the content of the song and say, are we singing what is true about God? Are the things that we're singing truthful statements about him? Are they ascribing worth to him in a way that is good? Are they uh, stirring our affections for Christ? And and we also have to understand that we are uh, trying to hit a, a broad swath, a broad stripe of different types of people that all show up on Sunday mornings. Right. Um, and so we, another thing about worship music that I think some churches miss on is the concept of accessibility. Is the song singable? Can I, is, is this something that, that feels like it's something that I can get behind and sing and participate in? And, right. and that's another consideration, but Pastor Rod, you're a worship guy. So why don't you speak to this a little bit for us? Well, I guess one of the things I want to, I want you guys to be clear about is that when we approach worship, I mean, we're thoughtful, we're thoughtful, we're intentional, we're selecting songs. When I say we're, I guess it's mostly me, but Pastor PJ, obviously we, we work together to kind of direct what's happening within the worship service. I think of worship much like a dinner plate. Um, you're going to have songs that are more meaty, songs that are kind of the the, the, the protein part of the meal. You're going to have songs that are a little more digestible. They're going to be your potatoes or your vegetables, those kind of things. And then you're going to have dessert songs, songs that really are just, man, these are really savory or really sweet songs to sing, and they don't require a whole lot from us. They're just so hyper palatable. And I think in all things in their portion, it's great to have them. I think having a dessert song or you know a highly palatable song is great. We do them because they're so sticky. They become earworms that just stay in your head forever and always. But that shouldn't be exclusive. And that's where I think for us as a church, we've made the decision to select songs that help uh, to use one of the terms that you often, often use, Pastor PJ, stir our affections for Christ. We want to point the attention where it belongs, and so we pick songs that do that, which also means that when we're putting stuff together, I'm thoughtful about whether this is a meat song, whether it's a potato song, or whether it's a dessert song, and I'm trying to figure out a good balance between a lot of them so that as we, as a body, grow and mature, we have a healthy balance of songs that we sing together as a church. Now, this is all within the backdrop of your preaching. Let's just say that. If you were, uh, I don't know, if, if you were a different kind of preacher, 
we'd probably have a different kind of worship. Um, your, the depth of your preaching makes it so that we can have some of these really palatable songs. And I'm not really super concerned that people are going to say, man, I just want to go and do this movement now with these people who wrote this song. Mm. I'm not concerned that they're going to run off the deep end because they're within the context of our local church. So that said, every church has to make the decision within the context of her body life, within the context of her people. And it's a decision that I trust every pastor makes intentionally, thoughtfully, prayerfully. And you can be sure that our church does the same thing. We love you guys. We're praying for you. We're thinking about you as we put put the worship together and the sermons together. Uh, but w- the decisions that we make, we're not doing it willy-nilly. We're doing it thoughtfully, purposefully. And we hope that you can trust us with that as we've done this so far. Right. And that's that's the important thing in this conversation that I hope you guys will take away is that you can trust that this is thoughtful and that this is intentional and prayerful um, as Pastor Rod plans. Our worship sets, it's its not like he's just f- scrolling through a Spotify playlist and going, no, let's do this one. That one. Um, there's there's thought given to it. And, uh, and so trust the shepherding in that and that we will fence it appropriately as far as caring for things that are right and biblically true and faithful to what we know to be true about God as revealed in the scriptures. What we don't want to get into in this is scoreboarding with somebody who takes an, an opposite position or a different position than us. We're not here to, to say, well, oh yeah, well, you probably do this and you probably that's not helpful is divisive and that's not what we're here to do as the church. Uh, this is an important part of our church gathering. And, uh, and I think, um, pastor Rod does a, a great job with it. So, uh, continue to trust your leaders and, uh, and show up week in and week out ready to, to sing praises to God. Cause uh, I, I love when we get together and do that. There are, there are lines and you guys should know that for instance, there's a song that you've, you've been really clear. That is probably your favorite worship song. Nope. It's called no, reckless love. No. <laughs> There are songs that we won't do because they, they, and this is, this is what we're just talking about. There are songs that I think we probably would use some of his other music. I don't know what else the guy's written off the top of my head, but we will never sing that song. Right. Because it promotes and presents an untruth about God. Right. It's not theologically, biblically, even poetically accurate to say God's love is reckless. Right. And so we'll never sing that. And we'd recommend that you don't sing that either because it's not true. We don't want that stuck in your head. And that's one reason why we'll never do that. We'll only sing songs that are true. John chapter four, we want to sing songs that encourage and provoke spirit and truth. And that's what we're going for. For sure. Well, let's get into the truth and uh, Exodus 19 through 21. I'm there already. I was there yeah. yesterday. You were there yesterday. I you was there yesterday. Yeah. So uh, if you ever have meetings with somebody, I, my guess is you spend some time preparing for that meeting before going to that meeting. But uh, I sure in, do. In Exodus chapter 19, the, Israel's getting ready for a meeting with God. Um, and it, it looks uh, it looks different than meetings that I prepare for, at least uh, when I'm meeting with Pastor Rod. Um, I'm not consecrating and making sure that I'm not touching any mountains or anything. Um but here we're about, again, um, a month later, because again, we're now at the, the third month, right? So we fast forwarded, uh, remember chapter 18 out of order there. So chapter 19, you get into this new moon situation on uh, 19 verse one. And so you're the, the third new moon after leaving. Uh, the, the estimation here is, again, this is the third month uh, that they have been wandering now uh, the, the, as they arrive here at Sinai. Again, where is Mount Sinai? We don't know for sure. The traditional location has it down in the southern port of the portion of the, the Sinai Peninsula. Um, and there's reasons to argue for that. There are others that suggest, well, no, it should be further up towards the north, uh, the, the northern part of the, uh, the Sinai Peninsula there. And they will locate it there because when Moses is in Midian, which is up in that region, this is the first time that he comes to Mount Sinai in Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. 
And so there's others that say, no, we want to argue for it up here in the north. Um, at the end of the day, it's, it's not going to be possible for us to be dogmatic on this, again, because we can't get in there and do the archaeological digging that we could. I, I wish we could. I mean, think about all of the treasures of, of archaeology that exist right now in closed countries, countries where we can't get into and, and begin to dig and unearth and find out the history of, of different regions and, and what takes place there. So um, we don't know exactly where it is, whether it's in the South or the North, we know that it was there. Israel shows up there. Uh, and in verses three through six, then we kind of get the skeleton of the Mosaic covenant given when God uh, says to, uh, to Moses that you need to let the people know, Hey, you've seen what I did to the Egyptians. Now, therefore, listen to my voice, obey my voice, keep my covenant, and you will be my treasured possession. So notice this is different than the Abrahamic covenant because there's an if then formula here. This is not God entering into a unilateral agreement with Israel. This is God entering into a conditional agreement with Israel. If you do this, there will be blessings for you. Now, is this in addition to the Abrahamic covenant? Yes, not supplanting it. This doesn't supplant. This is a, a Lego piece on top of the foundation of Abraham's, Abraham's covenant. Right. In fact, the relationship, we could even argue that God's relationship with his people is based on the unconditional covenant being the Abrahamic covenant, not based on the conditional covenant being the Mosaic covenant. The, uh, the function, the functional relationship, the foundation being the Abrahamic covenant, the functional element is the Mosaic covenant. This is how you're going to operate. This is how you're going to relate to me on a, a daily basis as far as what that, that looks like. Gets a bit muddy. Um, it sounds, so the foundation of God's relationship to them is Abrahamic, but the acquiring of the land, uh, receiving some of the blessings that are that are told in the scriptures, that that's where we would look at the mosaic and onward. Right. And and, and yet, even the, the failure to keep the mosaic covenant doesn't completely abrogate the promises made in the Abrahamic covenant, because that's, again, that's why we're dispensationalists. We believe that's unconditional. So the ultimate promise of the, of the occupation of the land that's given in the Abrahamic covenant is yet future, we believe, for Israel. So right. even their failure in the Mosaic covenant, which undoubtedly they failed miserably in the Mosaic covenant, could say that. Did, not, uh, did not undo God's promises in the Abrahamic covenant. Because if it did, we wouldn't even have Jesus. Right. Jesus is one of the blessings that were foretold. He was the seed who would come from Abraham's line, ultimately through the line of Judah, through David, et cetera, et cetera. We have Jesus, and so we now we know, okay, that covenant still in, in effect. We still have to get the land, the land blessing, uh, and, and that's still to come. Right. Right. Well, verse eight uh, is one of those statements you just say, man, if only Israel maintained this resolve when they say we're going to obey everything, <laughs> everything that God has said. Um, and, uh, and and yet that won't last as we'll see. But 12 through 13 and then and then 16 through 19, just the power of God's presence. I'm always in awe of this. Uh, the, the seriousness of his holiness in verses 12 through 13, when he says that no one was even to touch the person who touched the mountain but that person was to be stoned to death because the defilement couldn't pass from, from that person to the person that would to grab them to, to execute them there. I mean, God's holiness is serious here. And then 16 through 19, God showing up on the mountain, it, it, it quaking, the fire, the trumpet sounding, the Moses speaking and God answering in thunder is just such an unreal picture. And speaking of worship, I mean, this is the same God that we show up to worship in a gymnasium every single Sunday. Uh, it's, it's hard for us to remember that sometimes because of our context. Indeed. And, and I think it's important for us to remember these things. That's that, a, a good worship leader will remind us of the God that we're worshiping. And all you have to do, <laughs> this is why a, a whole Bible, it takes a whole Bible to make a whole Christian. If you're a Christian who doesn't know Exodus 19 in your mind, as you approach God and, and worship on Sunday, you might be tempted to think lowly of him. Right. And yet one of our stated goals as a church is that we want to maintain a high view of God. That's why you need the Old Testament. You need it. Right. It's not optional. This is ne necessary for you to have a healthy Christian worship. 
Right. Right. Well, then chapter 20, we get to the Ten Commandments, or maybe you've heard of it called the Decalogue, the Ten Words. Decalogue being a word that is borrowed from Greek and Latin um, and carried over into English, meaning the Ten Words. And uh, the reason being a couple of observations here about the Ten Commandments. Number one, they were prescriptive. Um, So this is the thou shalt, thou shalt not. Uh, whereas much of the rest of the law was descriptive, meaning if this happens, this is what you were to do. Case law. Right, case law. Um, the second thing to to, uh, to remember is this is not brand new content, but this is keeping in with much of how God had already been operating with his people. And so this is not God saying, oh, I'm doing something brand new all of a sudden. Right. It's just being codified. Now. Stealing being wasn't okay down. before this. Right. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah, adultery was, but stealing wasn't. <laughs> um, third, Israel's deliverance from slavery was not contingent upon their obedience to the law. Notice that the chronology here, that's important. And that speaks back to the promises of the Abrahamic covenant. God frees his people and brings them out of slavery before he gives them the law. And so that, that entering into the relationship, revealing of his covenant name as Yahweh, I am, was not dependent upon their obedience here. And so this is given after that. This is, a, again, more of the relationship, the ongoing relationship than it is the foundational character of the relationship. And then finally, this is more covenant language than it is legal language. And that's why the Decalogue is how it's referred to sometimes, the 10 words rather than the 10 commandments, because there, this is not about uh, the, the legal law that you're going to be brought into a courtroom. This is more about the, uh, the covenantal language of how do I engage with God in a covenantal relationship with him. You might also notice, too, that these are broken down into relationship to God and relationship to others. Uh, the first, uh, I guess, four, four of them deal directly with how we're to relate to God, and the others deal with how we're to relate to the others, the, the, our parents and our, our neighbors. And this should, this should be somewhat familiar to you because Jesus is going to say in the New Testament, you can hang the entire law on this commandment. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Is that not what we see in the 10 words right here? Yep. Secondly, I'd love for you to comment on this, Pastor PJ. Verse 20, Moses said to the people, hey, don't fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him, uh, that the fear of him may be before you. So do we fear or do we not fear? Yes. Perfect love casts out fear. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's a different kind of fear. Don't don't fear in the sense of retreating because they're eventually going to say, Moses, we don't, we don't want to hear from God. We want to just hear from you. And, and I don't think that's the right posture. Um, the, the, the fear of the Lord that conducts, that, that produces holiness in our life is good. It's right. Um, that fear of the Lord that says, man, God is powerful and awesome. And I want to do what he wants me to do because of his character, because of how powerful and awesome he is versus man, he, I, I'm, I'm just waiting for him to, to just smite me at any sec- single second. That, that's the fear that, that John says, perfect love casts out fear, fear, uh, the dread fear, right? The dread fear, the, fear the, of judgment. Yeah. Yeah, or that God is going to just capriciously all of a sudden just decide, I'm going to zap you off the face of the planet. Yeah, that, That's not the right fear, and that's what Moses is speaking against. Instead, fear him in a way that produces godliness and holiness. Reverence, uh, a, a fear that draws you near to him, actually, right. and not pushes you away. Right. Right, right. Yeah, so you're right. Yeah, the Ten Commandments break down that way, and, and uh, you can see them listed out there for you in this passage. Um, and a lot of times, you'll note, like, for example, uh, Ray Comfort, We'll use this text for evangelism and he'll go through and he'll say, okay, let's go through all of these. Have you ever done this? Have you ever done that? And, uh, and what he does on this is he takes the approach that Jesus takes to the law in the sermon on the Mount when he says, well, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, anyone who lusts after a woman in his, his heart has already committed adultery with her. So comfort kind of uses these to go after what the real issue of the, the, the problem is. And that is not the necessarily the act, but the heart behind the act, which reveals the, the brokenness and the fallenness of the, the person within. How do you feel about that method? 
I think it can be helpful. Yeah. Would you use it? Um, I, I haven't, but, uh, but would you? I think I would in the right circumstance. If I encounter somebody who really truly was, was holding fast to the idea of, yeah, I'm, I'm a good person. I, I don't do anything wrong. I think it's a tool in the belt to have. Um, I, I find that most of the times I go into evangelistic conversations with people, people understand that they're, they're sinners. They just don't care. Yeah. Yeah. The apathy is probably a bigger deal today than it ever has been right. before. Right. But yeah, I, I like, I like the way the master method I've, I've used that several times. Yep. Well, from here in chapter 21 and then following, we get into these interesting, as you put it, Pastor Rod, case laws. And uh, in, in verse 21, I kind of just titled, this, or chapter 21, I titled this one on being a good neighbor, um, talking about how to uh, treat our slaves in verses 1 through 11, uh, what to do about violent crimes and, and how not to commit them in verses 12 through 17, and then bodily injury, injury, personal injury in verses 18 through 32, uh, kind of how to go about that. And so God is, is setting up his society. Uh, as as he lays out these case laws. He's basically saying, anticipating almost every scenario that you could think of saying, this is what the law is. This is how you should conduct yourself here. Um, and so th- these are interesting sections. In fact, tomorrow's podcast is going to be really interesting just because it's, it's, it's so much of this in these chapters. And it can be hard, but keep going and keep pressing on. And remember, there's purpose and intent behind all of these things for the Israelites. Indeed. Yeah, in fact, one of the things, man, there's so much here. Um, don't look at case law as being something that was for there and then alone. And granted, it was for there and then. God was governing his people. But if you read it with the right eyes, you can derive principles that still are very applicable today. Now, granted, we don't have slaves today. In fact, a critic is going to look at chapter 21 and say, hey, doesn't the Bible endorse slavery? Isn't this where chattel slavery comes along and makes an appearance? And we would say, no, this is not chattel slavery. This is not antebellum South kind of slavery. Uh, This is a slavery that functioned very differently within the society of the ancient Near East. People had slaves in order to settle debts. People had slaves, um, and even, I mean, high-ranking officials were slaves. Different reasons for slaves. But God is regulating this industry that was already happening, and he is making it so that it is ethical. God is instituting his ethics on the people of Israel to make sure that they're not treated in the same way that they were treated back in Egypt. Yeah. Yeah. Can, can we let's just pick a couple and let's, yeah. let's how about let's, this one whoever strikes his father and mother shall be put to death so that you hear that we should still do that kids one. <laughs> you hear that when you wrestle with dad and you hit me no they don't actually they don't, but they well that's different right okay play, playful right yeah. playful yeah but if you push dad down the stairs uh, to yeah, get the inheritance, you, know, you should be put to death yeah, yeah. that's a big deal we, it is. i mean today I, I i see stuff on on x now where people are really just cruel in, in the worst way. In fact, that's, that's one reason I don't like X. I hate seeing stuff like that. But that's a big deal. Right. The kind of honor and respect that we should have for the parents and the, the people within our society, particularly the parents, is, is very different today than it is back then. And I think we are, we're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> we too lowly value people and authority. And this is one of those times where we come full front uh, confronted by the text itself. Yeah. Yeah. Verse 23, if there's harm, you shall pay life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. We, we have not just with, with parents, but just in general as a society softened uh, it offenses against other people. And, and it's like, oh, well, do they really need to, to pay the penalty that, that their actions should, should uh, be worthy of? Like just recently, even with the whole situation with the open borders and everything, there, was, there were some migrants in New York City that beat down the cops, beat down the cops and then jumped yeah. on a bus to fly to, to California. Yeah. Uh, ride to California. Um, and, and they were let out on bond. Yeah. I mean, that like that is just, it's insane. 
it's insane the the way that we're jumping shit from the biblical precedent of what justice is. Feels like we're kind of shifting from one end of the pendulum to the other. Where and maybe, I guess this is all of human history. We're always shifting from one side to the other. Right now, we're very permissive and very forgiving to the point where it's no longer justice. Right. Other times, we're probably too. I mean, get your foot cut off. I guess if you, yeah. if you ran away at the wrong time, you get your eye plucked out. Now, the Bible is trying to say, look, there should be an equivalent punishment to the crime. There right. should not be a sense of uh, injustice in giving too much or too little. And to your point, today in America, and very. A lot of states were very permissive, and it's it's not biblical. That's not righteous. Right. Right. A lot of this law is based on that concept. Yeah. Making it right. Restitution uh, is the concept there. Even with if an ox gores him, well, that ox needs to be put to death. Like Even it, an animal should be put to death. Right. For killing a human. Right. That's a big deal. It is. It is. Uh, and and yet in our society, I feel like we, we understand that more than anything else. If a grizzly bear mauls somebody in a national park, they're going to go the out and kill the bear. Yeah. They pose uh, a threat. I got bit by a dog when I was, I don't know. 12, 11, somewhere in that ballpark. Shoot the dog. Dipped by a dog. Well, dude, so sad, man. I was I was playing with the dude, and it was my fault. I had no idea the dog was feeling threatened by my presence, and he turned around and he bit my face. In fact, Oof. if you look close enough, you could still see some of the scars on my yeah, lip. I see it. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> so, oh, sorry. Closely. You said closely. I that said must closely. be something else. You can't see far. <laughs> anyway, after I recovered, I found out, because it was my aunt's dog, they, they killed the dog. Uh, they killed him. And I felt so, aw- I mean, I, a part of me was like, yes, jerk. Right. <laughs> By, the other part of me, now that I look back and I, I provoked him, I didn't know that at the time, but he was killed because of that. And I think today, a lot of people really value animals far and above humans. Totally. Their willingness to adopt a pet and who cares what happens to the human beings. Let's right. protect the animals. Hey, even though you could eat these animals, no, they should be protected because for whatever reason, man, God cares about people far more yeah. than he cares about your pets. And we should value human life. In fact, dude, God cares if a tooth gets knocked out. Right. Verse 27. Tooth for a tooth. He gets right, you he, knocked out God, mine. I'm going to punch yours. I mean, <laughs> it's it's it, God cares about the details of human life and he, let, let no one think otherwise. He does. And yeah, we're going to get an explicit rating on our podcast now that you're talking about how this dog died because you let it bite your face. <laughs> I did not. I accidentally People provoked him. angry about that, dude. Like rehoming an animal. You might as well just fly a, 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 a terrorist flag from your, your front yard. It's uh, it's ridiculous. People on like Nextdoor app and Ring app, they're like, "How dare you even think about rehoming an animal? You irresponsible human being." So, yeah, you talking about Fido getting killed because he bit you in the face? It's, I mean, but it's he over. deserved it. It's been a good run, he but we're done. <laughs> so, you guys probably won't find us tomorrow. Well, here's the thing. Here's the because this is such a this is such a relevant topic today. People love their and it's fine. Great, you want to put your pet in a carrier and a sweater? Great, I'm I'm all for that. Do do what you want to do. Use your money as God as God would have you. Yeah. But so many times we we put human life or we put animal life above, above human life, and that's not right. And that is so contrary to scripture. Yeah. Well, hey, keep reading your Bibles and join in tomorrow, and maybe we'll talk a little bit more about animals in tomorrow's podcast. We'll find more controversial topics to discuss because it's in the Bible. We can't wait to talk about right. it with you. See you guys tomorrow. See you then. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast.